When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year, on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. If you like this podcast and you want it without advertisements, head over to patreon.com and become a member of The Brian McClanahan Show. For 10 bucks a month, you get all the podcasts ad-free, including video, and you also get a special Q&A podcast. I'm only going to answer your questions, your listener-generated episodes, through those Q&As. So head over to patreon.com. Get this podcast ad-free, no ads, not even things like this, and you really do help support The Brian McClanahan Show with really cool stuff on the back end. Get the book that Kevin Goodsman called the single best volume on original intent ever written, My Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. It is the book. When people ask me what's my favorite, that's the one. Pick it up wherever books are sold online and get a real education on the Constitution. Hawaii has told the Supreme Court to shove it, and it's probably the most beautiful legal opinion I've read in a very long time. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. All right, listen episode is going to upset a lot of people. It's going to upset people who believe that you have a Second Amendment right to carry a firearm. Now, I'm not going to dispute that gun control matters are a problem. They're really a problem from the federal government. But I've also said on this show many times that the incorporation of the Second Amendment is the improper thing to do. That the Second Amendment only applies to the general government, and therefore all federal firearms legislation is unconstitutional. However, state firearm regulation is not unconstitutional, particularly if it adheres to the state constitution. This is a big issue because what we have, of course, is incorporation. We're dealing with the issue of incorporation. Now, for years, conservatives complained, and libertarians complained, and people on the right complained, that we had what's called selective incorporation. Some amendments were incorporated, other amendments were not. It was the inconsistency, the hypocrisy of the left that irritated a lot of people. And if we were going to have incorporation, we needed to incorporate everything. The first eight amendments all needed to be incorporated. So, what we get over time is the incorporation of the Second Amendment by the Supreme Court in various decisions all the way up through the current court, essentially. And the current court and the courts before that, the conservative-leaning courts have held 
that you have a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms anywhere in the United States, that almost all, fe- almost all firearm regulation, whether it's federal or state level, is unconstitutional. And so, therefore, you can't do anything about that. Now, what's really curious about this is when the Supreme Court issued the Dobbs decision, which, of course, undid Roe v. Wade, Clarence Thomas made a point in the concurring opinion, but it was kind of like a dissent. It's a concurring opinion, but he didn't necessarily think that the opinion went far enough. In fact, he said, look, if we're going to start tearing down incorporation, we should really tear down incorporation. We should tear it down in all of these areas. And of course, the lefties went mad over this, but he was right. Incorporation has been a faulty doctrine from the beginning. Now, if you take that to its logical conclusion, this means that anything the general government or the federal court system has done, as part of the general government, in relation to uh, your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, your Eighth Amendment rights, take your pick. All of that is done improperly, and the states can undo everything. This is essentially what the Supreme Court said in Dobbs. Look, this is not a federal issue. This is a state issue. Have at it, states, and that's what's happened. The states have decided how they want to do it, and you want to know something? All of this has really quieted down, hasn't it? You don't hear much about these things anymore because the states have gotten involved and just said, okay, this is what we're going to do in our state, and this is what we're going to do in our state, And people have been okay with it. Now, we know that you still hear some rumblings. Well, this state is going to do this to help these people from this state and these kind of things. And you still get people talking about a national position on Roe v. Wade or something like that. But for the most part, this has really gone away. Why? Because federalism offers peace. It offers a way for the states to do what they need to do to reflect the political culture of those areas. Now, what Hawaii did is really interesting. Hawaii said, look, we have the Hawaii Supreme Court and we have the Hawaii Constitution. The Hawaii Constitution, the language in that Constitution, mirrors the language of the Second Amendment. It's almost the exact same language. And we think the Supreme Court of the United States interpreted that amendment incorrectly. And so, therefore... We don't believe in their use of incorporation, in their interpretation of American history, and we invalidate that Supreme Court decision. Now, this is actually huge. It is a major coup for the state of Hawaii. Now, again, I know that all the gun rights people listening to this are going to be very upset. This was the right thing for Hawaii to do. In fact... The right thing for Hawaii to do, really, would be just to secede from the United States. I mean, the Hawaiian Independence Party should be the number one party in Hawaii. Hawaii was an independent kingdom for a long time. Hawaii should not be part of the United States. It was acquired illegally, I mean, to be frank, and Hawaii should be independent. So, that's something we need to be talking about as well. But, Hawaii did the right thing. And this could have major ramifications throughout the United States. Now, I can see this playing out. I'm going to read what the Hawaii Supreme Court actually said. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. See, originally when I looked at this, I thought, well, Hawaii probably went in and said, well, you know, we don't agree with their interpretation of history. We think their interpretation uh, or their their understanding of how gun rights, the, the term gun rights and militia and all these things are incorrect historically. And so we're going to undo it based on an understanding of history. 
kind of like what we're seeing with Colorado and Trump, the Trump v. Anderson case, which I talked about yesterday. And I thought, that's going to be pretty weak. If that's what they did, this is not going to be a really strong position. Because the court will just come in and say, oh, no, no, we interpreted it correctly. You didn't, so be quiet, Hawaii. And our, our ruling is, is uh, in effect. But that's not what Hawaii did. They did some of that. But they did something even stronger, which was amazing. I mean, I read it and I thought, oh my God, I wish conservative states would do this exact same thing. And you know what? They could. You see? Because I, I was reading an article at Slate and all the little lefties were giddy over this. Oh, look at Hawaii. They just went down and took down the Supreme Court on this issue. They're not going to be so giddy when the states come in and say, okay, that's fine. You know what? All your little lefties project, all your little pet projects that you've gotten for the last 50 years... Through, uh, through the federal government, all that's done. We're getting rid of all of it. The culture war, all the culture war stuff that you're doing, done. It's gone. Because we're going to use this Hawaii decision and we're going to say, okay, here you go. We're going to give it right back to you. So I think this is going to be a really interesting... This can play out in a very interesting way. Now, what could happen here, of course, is uh, the, the parties in question here and the Hawaii decision are clearly going to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. It's going to happen. And the Supreme Court will probably come in and say, yeah, Hawaii, you can't do that. This is what happened in 1819 with Cohen's v. Virginia. What happens there will be the key. If Hawaii says, ah, so what? We don't care what the Supreme Court said. Yeah, if you have a federal marshal here, if you send in the federal marshals or whatever federal agency, if you want to say that and you try to enforce uh, some law, well, that would be unconstitutional. This is a state law they're talking about now, not a federal law. It's not like the federal government has passed some gun control legislation. They're trying to enforce it with the federal government. But to have federal agents enforce state law would be unconstitutional. See, the state's going to win here. The state is going to win. There's nothing the Supreme Court really can do about this. They will be shown to have no clothes. So you could sue somebody and say, well, I'm going to get damages or something like that. They can sue in federal court, maybe, but it's going to be a hard, hard sell. What you're going to have to get is maybe somebody from out of state coming in. They're going to have to play the games the left played to try to figure this out. I don't, I don't think they're going to. I don't think that they're going to have any headway in this. The state has just come in and said, "Nah, Supreme Court, we're just not going to go with it. We are equal with you. Our court is equal with your court, and because our court is equal with your court." We can make these decisions as well. Now, they're still giving kind of a litmus test. Well, you know, if the state's a constitution, the state is here, and the Supreme Court's here, then we have to go with, well, if the, if, if the state constitution is weaker, then we got to go with the federal constitution. Enough of all that. I mean, really. You don't have to do any of that. Just say, well, we got the state constitution, and what you've done with incorporation is incorrect. Now, they didn't say that, but they should, and I think that's coming. So mark my words, this decision in Hawaii is going to be huge moving forward for conservatives around the United States in taking down, dismantling, dismantling the, uh, the incorporationist doctrine, if they're smart about it. This is what they would do. They would dismantle the culture war. That Kentucky decision that everyone hates, they could dismantle that thing with this ruling. And just say, yeah, I mean, our, our courts are concurrent and your decision really doesn't matter. Now, again, the issue in, is, is a little more entangling with those things. Like, 
when you're talking about marriage and property rights and other things, you're looking at a situation where you've, you're going to have to involve out-of-state corporations, benefits, and these kind of things. It's going to be a little more difficult. But regardless, there is going to be a real push to use this kind of logic in conservative states when it comes to the culture war. Mark my word, it's going to happen. And it has to happen because we know the entire incorporationist position is faulty. The other thing, prayer in public schools, for example, that's a big one that conservatives are often talking about. Prayer in public schools. So you're dealing with state regulations, state laws, state schools, state citizens. That's what you're dealing with here. It's all in the states. The Supreme Court had no jurisdiction in that. None. Zero. But they did it anyways. In fact, that was the real first push of this. They did it anyways. So what you're going to, if, if that would be the area I think that the conservatives would go to first. Well, you know what? We can have prayer in public schools then. We, we can do this. We can have prayer in public schools. There's nothing that says we can't. For years, as Hawaii argued, this was the case. We protected civil liberties. We decided what civil liberties were and were not. We know in the U.S. Constitution, when it was ratified, there were still three states that had state-established churches. When the Bill of Rights was ratified, there were still three states that had state-established churches, and nobody tore them down. In fact, the letter from the Danbury Baptist of Thomas Jefferson makes this clear. We know the federal government can't do anything about this. We know this is an issue of the states. And therefore, we hope one day, Jefferson said, well, we hope one day that Connecticut will have a different position on religious freedom than they do now. But there's nothing the federal government can do about it. This is a state-level issue. This decision by the Hawaii Supreme Court is beautiful. Now, before I get to the decision, and I want to read one section of it, I want to go to the state to the Slate article. And I want to read what, um, what these people are talking about. This is from a podcast. It's, it's two individuals, uh, uh, Dahlia Litvek and Mark Joseph Stein. And they're talking about this Hawaii decision. And they're just giddy. In fact, Dahlia Litvik says this, Mark, I know you're eager to talk about a kind of amazing and historic Hawaii Supreme Court decision on gun rights. It's a unanimous opinion authored by Justice Todd Eddins that flames the logic of the U.S. Supreme Court's Second Amendment decision, and it cuts to the core of everything we've ever said on this show about originalism and judging. Walk us through the case. Now, they're missing the big picture. Yeah, it flames. I, I love it. It flames. This very millennial, you know, kind of uh, Generation Z language. It flames it. Regardless. Uh, listen, but they're missing the bigger point. Yeah, it goes into originalism as well, the understanding of history. What it really does is destroy incorporation. And as you destroy incorporations, little giddy leftists are going to start getting upset because the giddy leftists are going to understand, well, okay. Well, you know what we can do in our states then? We can undo things that you like. This is what should be happening. Hawaii should be able to do what it wants with, with uh, its constitution and gun rights and other things. In fact, you know who said that? George Wallace in 1968. He said it. The American Independent Party and their, and their party platform, that George Wallace wrote it, said it. Well, that's because we saw federal firearms legislation, legislation become more prominent after Kennedy's assassination. And Wallace said, you know, that's... We can't really do that. The states have control over this stuff. Not the federal government. The states do. 
This is a conservative, George Wallace, saying these things. That was the conservative position. It's only been through incorporation that we've seen this change. And we've seen conservatives, well, you know, if you're going to do these things, and we're going to do them. It's the wrong track to take. They should be going after incorporation. As Clarence Thomas pointed out in the Dobbs decision, not this trimming around the edges. Just tear it out. When you do that, you're going to have a different kind of federal structure. As the Hawaii Supreme Court points out. So let me get into what Mark Joseph Stein says. He says, it's an amazing case because the Hawaii Constitution is a provision that is the same as the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It literally uses the exact same words as the Second Amendment. And just as Eden said, even though the provisions are the same, we will not interpret them the same way because we think the U.S. Supreme Court clearly got it wrong in Heller when it said the Second Amendment creates an individual right to bear arms. But that's not just what he said. You see, they're going through the history part of it. And they're lo- Oh, yes, this is great. This is great. Oh, this is fantastic. And they're going to cheer about it because they're going to get what they want out of this. I don't think there's going to be able to be a conclusive challenge to this and that people in Hawaii, um, people in Hawaii are going to be able to, or people that are against this are going to be able to undo it. So the uh, Lit- Litvik says this. It's also interesting, Mark, because this really echoes the conversation we had about the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs of Dobbs and real history, but also originalism and who history leaves out. Stein says, oh, Stern says, well, yeah, that's really great about Eden's opinions that it's not just a rejoinder to Heller. It also goes on to talk about how it's not just practical or feasible to wise or used to history as your only guide to constitutional interpretation. He wrote, history is prone to misuse. In these Second Amendment cases, the court distorts and cherry-picks historical evidence. It shrinks, alters, and discards historical facts that don't fit. You see, they're focusing on the history part. They're focusing on the history part. And then Litvik says says this, I feel like we could just read chunks of this opinion into the record because it's such a delightful excavation of both the bad history that undergirds Bruin and Heller before it as well as the larger project of conscripting judges into historical analysis. But I just want you to read this quote from Justice Edens. Judges are not historians. Excavating 18th and 19th century experiences to figure out how old times control 21st century life is not a judge's forte. History is messy. It's not straightforward or fair. It's not made by most. Bruin, MacDonald, Heller, and other cases show how the court handpicks history to make its own rules. You see, what they're doing here... What they're doing here is saying, wow, this is the history part. They got the history part. Yeah. Let me read what the court actually said. Not just that, but another part that these people are just completely overlooking. Now, I didn't listen to their whole podcast. They might have gotten into this. If they got into it, well, that would be interesting. But this is the part that Slate pulls out and says, this is it. These, as I said, these these racist, sexist, white dudes are the ones who are being taken down in this. Melissa Murray, in a great law review article, says that um, these uh, misogynistic, often slaveholding white men were the real problem. And so we're going to tear all that out because we're going to go and we're in the 21st century. And so we're going to have 21st century decisions. All right, let's see what Hawaii said. This is from the decision. Section, our sequence of state constitutional interpretation. Our sequence of state constitutional interpretation. That sounds benign, very bland. Our sequence of it. (laughs) What they say in this 
and said, we don't care what the U.S. Supreme Court says. We're going to go with the Hawaii's Constitution. We're going to do Hawaii first for Hawaii. Not for the U.S. government. They can do what they want. Now, what would happen if the United States government passes a law that says, well, you can't do this? Then we have a real conflict. Hawaii, though, can invoke the 11th Amendment. Now, of course, what they'll try to do is work around this. They'll sue somebody so the state can't be so the state won't be sued at an individual of the state. It, it would get messy. But let me read what this section says. It is absolutely beautiful. It's beautiful. I've never seen a conservative court be so strong. A state conservative court be so strong. This is the thing about conservatives. They are weak. The left is more than willing to stand up for what's real at times, and I think for, for real federalism, when they do it in ways that conservatives do not. They are milquetoast most of the time. Well, you know, we're going to pass a resolution saying that we believe in the Tenth Amendment. Great. We know that conservatives are starting to get a little stronger, and groups like the Tenth Amendment Center have made that happen. They've put pressure on people. They've, they've helped draft legislation. They've done all kinds of things. But this decision, beautiful. This part of the decision. Wilson invokes both the Hawaii and United States constitutions. This court has yet to explain how we interpret matching state and federal constitution provisions when both are in play. Do we look at the state constitution first? The federal constitution first? Both? If we interpret our constitution to provide more protection, do we even take up the federal constitution? Ooh. Do we even take up the federal constitution? Do we even look at this? You see... Both constitutions are invoked. We're going to go after the state and the feds. And the state is saying, we don't care about the feds. We're going to go with ours. Because we think ours is better. Now, what they're doing here is saying, well, our state constitution allows for more protection of these things. And if, if there's a litmus test and our state constitution is weaker, then we have to go by the federal constitution. You don't have to do that. They could just say the state constitution is supreme over a state issue. And it is. We believe that the proper sequence to consider matching constitutional text is to interpret the Hawaii Constitution before its federal counterpart. Only if the Hawaii Constitution has not reached the minimum protection provided by a parallel federal constitutional right should this court construe the federal analog. Only then. So they've given the left kind of an out here because I think they could see where this was going. Well, I mean, if Hawaii does this, then other states can say, well, I mean, we can do this too. So you would say that, well, Florida then doesn't give minimum protection, say, of religious liberty. If they say we're going to have prayer in public schools, then we have to go by the federal constitution. No, no, no. That's not the way this is going to work. This is shots fired in federalism, and they bring it up. Thus, we interpret the Hawaii Constitution first. It may not get to the United, get to the United States Constitution. We would not even get there. See State v. Kono. Quote, if we address the state constitutional claim first and decide it in favor of the defendant, then there is no reason to, rest to address the federal constitutional claim. For purposes of that case, the defendant is entitled to prevail under the state constitution, and it simply does not matter which way the claim would have been decided under the federal constitution. State v. Voilet. If no state law, including the state constitution, resolves the issue, courts then should turn for assistance to the constitution of the United States. But if we can settle this at the state level, which you could do for any of this stuff, then we don't need to go to the U.S. Constitution. And the states could invoke state sovereign immunity and just say, we're not allowing us to be sued. You see, 
This really is shots fired in federalism. The left has woken up and decided, yeah, maybe incorporation isn't such a good thing on this issue. They're not going to say it on the other issues. But that's where the right needs to say, okay, well, we agree. Incorporation is not really a good idea. We're going to tear down all this stuff, too. As Clarence Thomas pointed out, you see, this is the beginning of maybe the unraveling of all of the nonsense, incorrect incorporation doctrine that we've seen for the since Hugo Black really started this process in the middle of the 20th century. And this decision even talks about that. The Hawaii Constitution often offers greater protections than the federal constitution. When the two contain look-alike provisions, Hawaii has chosen not to lockstep with the Supreme Court's interpretation of the federal constitution. Rather, the court frequently walks another way. Long ago, the Hawaii Supreme Court announced that an opinion of the United States Supreme Court is merely another source of authority, admittedly to be afforded respectful consideration, but which we are free to accept or reject in establishing the outer limits of protection afforded by the Hawaii Constitution. Ooh. <laughs> so, long ago, this is 1974. Long ago, you know, 50 years. Long ago, we said this. It's merely another source of authority. It's not the only source of authority, and Hawaii can do what it wants. I love it. I mean, this is amazing. They're actually saying, yeah, you've made a decision to the United States Supreme Court. We're just not going to follow that one. We have our own decisions here in Hawaii. I love it. Further, this court has not hesitated to adopt the dissents in U.S. Supreme Court cases when it was believed the dissent was better reasoned than the majority opinion. State v. Munden, 19, I'm sorry, 2012, excuse me, 2012. So they're going to adopt dissents. Whew. Wow. Maybe even concurring opinions? I'm telling you, anybody that has read this decision, if you're a conservative, read it, understand it, and act on it. Because this is huge. If states started doing this for things that, again, I'm doing the culture war, things that have been a real problem with incorporation. This is huge. They're getting it exactly right. Hawaii is being is correct on this. Interpreting the Hawaii Constitution is this court's number one responsibility. So we reason independently, untethered from the Supreme Court's analysis of the United States Constitution. State v. Teixeira, 1967. Hawaii's people are entitled to an independent interpretation of state constitutional guarantees. State v. Ball, 1983. That means this court, not the U.S. Supreme Court, drives interpretation of the Hawaii Constitution. If we ignore this duty, we fail to live up to our oath to defend Hawaii's Constitution. Beautiful. This court, not the U.S. Supreme Court, drives interpretation of the Hawaii Constitution. Wow. They've just told the federal court system to shove it. We're going to interpret the Hawaii, Supreme, Hawaii Constitution, not you, the Hawaii Supreme Court. It's beautiful. Then they say this. State constitutions have a distinct role under our nation's system of federalism. See, at the beginning, before I read this part, I thought, yeah, all right. And reading the slate review of it. Yeah, they're going to go in and have some, well, they got the history wrong. So we're going to say they, and then we're going to have this conflict over history. It's going to be the history wars at the, at the Supreme Court again. But that's not what they did. They did that. And that's all that Slate's focusing on. They didn't focus on this because this is a cataclysmic shift. 
Ah, uh, well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, we don't think you got the history right, but you know what else you didn't get right? Federalism. You didn't get any of that right. Deciding a case first on state constitutional grounds respects state sovereignty and aligns with a key constitutional design feature, subnational governance. It re- respects state sovereignty. Why use the term state sovereignty? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. As the Oregon Supreme Court put it in 1981, the proper sequence is to analyze the state's law, including its constitutional law, before reaching a federal constitutional claim. This is required not for the sake either of parochialism or of style, but because the state does not deny any right claimed under the federal constitution when the claim before the court, in fact, is fully met by state law. The state constitution first approach recognizes the states as the cradle of rights. State constitutions predated the constitution as the original sources of constitutional rights. Oh my gosh. State constitutions predated the constitution? I mean, we had these states before we had the U.S. constitution? Oh my gosh, these guys are a bunch of neo-confederates. What is happening with neo-confederate Hawaii? What is happening here? These neo-confederates. (gasps) Hans A. Lindy, first things first, rediscovering the state's Bill of Rights. State Bill of Rights are first in two senses, first in time and first in logic. This is from 1980. The Bill of Rights cut and pasted rights first ensconced in pre-1789 state constitutions. And for more than a century, State constitutional rights were the only rights, only in italics, only rights enforceable against state governments. Incorporating the Bill of Rights against subnational actors. This is Gitlow v. New York, 1925. They just brought up incorporation. And for more than a century, this was the way it worked. Even, I mean, basically they just said, you know what we agree with? The slaughterhouse cases. <laughs> this is huge. This is huge. We have state sovereignty. We have states predating the U.S. Constitution. In other words, the Constitution is a creature of the states. Now they're using this term subnational. It's kind of stupid. But regardless, this is beautiful. This is the best opinion I've read in a long time. In a long time. This is the Hawaii Supreme Court saying, you know what we are? We're a co-equal court with the U.S. Supreme Court. This is what Virginia said in the early 19th century. And we can interpret our Constitution any way we want. There's also the argument they could interpret the U.S. Constitution any way they want to. That's what I mentioned yesterday with the Colorado decision. How it was interesting that what's happening with Colorado is they're taking a position, or the, the Anderson side, they're taking a position that, you know, uh, we can do this in Colorado. And we're a, I mean, this got appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, but their decision, their, their arguments were very much in line with, you know, the Colorado Supreme Court is co-equal with the U.S. Supreme Court. It's not an inferior court. It can do what it wants. Now, what the Supreme Court is saying is, well, you've got this 14th Amendment, you've got the fifth section of the 14th Amendment saying Congress has to do this, so it's a little bit your logic. And then, oh, if we do this, we're going to have chaos. All the 50 states are going to do it. So see, the Supreme Court can't get out of its own way to be nationalist at times. The lefties were saying that because I think they understood what happens here. And they're all looking at this politically. I mean, Joe Biden's going to be taken off the ballot in these states and Donald Trump in these states. 
Calhoun would have said, that's beautiful, right? We can come to a concurrent majority. We can come to a, all right, then we should only have these candidates. <laughs> these candidates all stink. Let's get rid of them. Let's have real candidates. State constitutions provide a double security for the people's liberty. Federalist number 51 at 321. Per the constitutional design, the Hawaii Constitution supplies an additional guarantee of individual rights. See State v. Tanaka. We have not hesitated in the past to extend the protection of the Hawaii Bill of Rights beyond those of textually parallel provisions in the Federal Bill of Rights when logic and a sound regard for the purposes of these protections have so warranted. And then they say this, but federalism is about more than just the relationship between the state and federal governments. Quote, we must not forget that the virtue of federalism lies not in the means of permitting state experimentation, but in the ends of expanded liberty, equality, and human dignity. We honor the Hawaii Constitution's freestanding vitality. We interpret the Hawaii Constitution first. Ooh. Then they get into it. This, this part of it is just absolutely awesome. They just told the federal court system, we're going to go with Hawaii first. This is one of the most states' rights things I've seen in a long period of time coming out of a state concept. I mean, state court. I mean, any. this is so good. This is so good. And people are going to miss this because they're going to get tied up in the historical arguments. They're going to miss what Hawaii just did here. And every single, I know I have lawyers that listen to this program. Look at this decision. Look at it and say, all right, here we go. Hopefully we can get some legislators, because I know I have legislators listen to this program too, and say, hey, uh, this is what we need to be looking at here. Let's just, let's just do this. Let's do this, because this is huge. It is one of the biggest decisions in the, last, in the 21st century. This decision, huge. Because it's telling the Supreme Court to take a hike. We're a state Supreme Court. We're equal with you. We have an equal constitution. We have an equal responsibility to interpret the state constitution. And we're going to say that you are our rights. And it's a different way of looking at rights and liberties. Again, that whole concept of what is a right, what is a liberty. I've talked about it on this show before. There are different conceptions of that depending on political culture. Hawaii is different. It has different conceptions of liberties and rights. So what do we do with that? All right. So huge decision. I mean, it's it's just so awesome. I had to talk about it. It's going to upset people because, of course, it's tearing down their Second Amendment rights. But in reality, what it's doing is opening the door for the states to do a lot more things with incorporation, which, as Clarence Thomas pointed out correctly, if we want to go after Roe v. Wade properly, it would be to look at it from a 14th Amendment perspective, an incorrect interpretation of the 14th Amendment and that's what should happen. And he said, we didn't go far enough in this. We didn't tear down enough incorporation. That could be coming if everyone looked at this properly. All right. See you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.